and receive your word. We bless you, we thank you, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to continue uh, talking about um, uh, uh, our confession and the fact that Jesus ministers over what we say and uh, how important what we say is. If we believe it in our hearts. Amen. So it's a good thing that uh, many of the things that we say just in in a heat of a moment, they don't come from the depth of our being. You know, it's like, you know, if your thought comes to you, somebody says something that offends you and you say something back, you know, kind of hurtful or threatening to them, you don't really mean it. You're not like a murderer in your heart. You know, it's just... Uh, a response, you know, kind of a, an argument that, that we offer for what's been said. And, and, and I think it's real important to understand that you can hide God's word in your heart uh, to such a degree that those things don't really occur or don't come up in the, the heat of a conversation. There's some people that just have very, very little self-control uh, once that that ball gets rolling you know they uh, will give in to it or if, if sometimes people can hold their tongue but it festers on the inside of them because they have deep-seated kind of ideas and resentments so forth and so on and so God will uproot those as well you know the Bible promises every seed that the father has not planted he didn't plant anger well he didn't plant uh, anger in your flesh let me put it to you that way there is a righteous anger because it's part of judgment part of judging which all people in making choices which all people are capable of doing he didn't put uncontrollable anger he didn't add fury to to it like uh, he didn't put uh, uh, pride and self-consciousness and things like that and self-exaltation in there where the the emotions and the motives that get us into trouble in life are not that that those are not their perversions and exaggerations of what God gave us <clears throat> but God didn't put them there to the degree that they're manifested sometimes uh, in our lives and so we have to understand that uh, God will uproot those things he'll uproot that iniquity and that self-exaltation where you have to be right all the time or you have to be considered all the time or you know how sometimes you, you people live off their inner vows or their inner promises that they've made to themselves you know when I get old enough I'm going to have all the Kool-Aid I want or all the cake I want or all the whatever and we're, we're constantly doing that you know it's part of self-preservation but it's also part of selfishness and so we when then when you get older most people check themselves and they say boy when I was young I used to think I wanted to do so and so but some people don't and there are deep-seated vows that we are not even consciously aware that we've made as far as keeping we do it to protect ourselves from hurt and from harm and from injury uh, you know like uh, people who have been poor a lot um, in their youth well, I'll be glad when I get old I'm going to just get a job and I'm going to do this and they never quit spending they never quit accumulating things they never quit there's like this lust and this drive well they've made a promise to themselves 
See, your word to you is the most important thing you have. It really is. What you have promised yourself drives you more often than what you promised God. We say we love God. I'll give you an example. If, if you have money and you fear that you won't have enough, you'll cut back on what you give to God. People do that. You know, this is self, you know, you, you, you vowed somewhere in yourself that you will never be broke. You'll never give your last whatever, 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 whatever you've said in there will keep you. Uh, it will start, it will continue to motivate your life rather than what God wants you to do. So God then devises a system where he can free us up from ourselves. You need to be freed up from your little inner vows. I promised I would never, you know, people see a lot of uh, turmoil in a marriage. Oh, I'm never going to get married. And and then maybe they step out and get married. But then there's something else. They don't want to totally trust that person. They don't want to. And so we're still guided by those inner commitments we make to ourselves. And God wants to break those. He wants you to break your vow to yourself and vow to him as a higher authority. Go to the, the, he can protect you from all that stuff and if you run into it, he'll heal you. So there's no such thing now. You're not on your own anymore. You're not out here trying to keep yourself from experiencing bad things in life. That's just crazy. Uh, you'll never live. You know, people who are afraid of getting hit by a car don't go out the house. Or, you know, all that kind of nonsense. All this counterphobic stuff that we get involved in sometimes trying to protect ourselves. Where God says, I've given angels charge over your life. They're in charge of you now. You know, you're not going to run into that kind of stuff. And he, they will recover you as well. So when we live for God, we live a fearless life. Because of what he has done for us and how he takes the place of those of us, takes us off the throne, put himself on there. And we have to learn how to trust him. We have to learn that we can trust God to be in charge of our lives. So our confession really expresses what we believe deep down inside. Faith in God yields righteousness. Righteousness tells us on the inside that we're okay with God. If for some reason you don't think that, you need to go back to God and get that straightened out. He'll help you to accept that truth. Amen? So you're not trying to be right with God all day long. You know you're right with God. Because righteousness tells you that. Righteousness tells you that God, you are pleasing to God. He likes what you do. He likes who you are. He likes you if you don't do anything. Amen. And you please him. So righteousness will speak all those things to you. Righteousness always gives you a confidence or a boldness we call it to go to God for anything that you need. Never fear that God won't do it for you or he won't help you. So, uh, you know, a lot of times sinners have that kind of boldness. They'll, they'll pray. And sometimes they'll say, well, I want to book God for small things, you know. But they'll go to him at some point. Whether they get an answer or not, <laughs> it's good to know that that option is there for some people. So, you know, and, and once righteousness is imputed to you and you begin to speak out of that voice of righteousness, 
then God will, will hear you and he grants what you want. Now a lot of times people wonder why you have to confess. And, and the answer is this. God must have your faith in order to help you. Without faith it's impossible for him to do anything for you. Even when people would come to Jesus with obvious problems. He will say what can I do for you? Once they asked him he had enough faith to work with to give them what they desired if it wasn't sufficient he would work with them to get their faith to the level where he could bless them this is what he does this is what a high priest does he doesn't judge us and cast us out and say oh you crazy little thing you can't buy that with that little bit of faith (laughs) he tells us if we have a mustard seed we need to say what we have you know just speak by the amount of faith that you have and he'll work with it from there it's up to him to work with it from there he has to encourage your faith he has to uh, augment it he has to add to it many times we'll need something from God and if our faith is inadequate there's a supernatural gift of faith which he can add to it many people say well you know you'll see it in emergency situations and I think that's true but I think also oftentimes we get it and not even perceive that that's what's going on got me so he he is the author and finisher of our faith it's you know it is his faith that we are using when we receive from him uh, I know there there have been times where I've been you know goofing around with with uh, symptoms and not taking care of them and he's granted me mercy every single time I ain't dead yet you see what I'm saying I don't like the fact that I do that I'm not bragging on it and I don't think that's the way to do things but I'm telling you even when you're stupid he's merciful got me so don't don't get caught up in I'm doing everything right and that's why I get blessed you don't know why you get blessed you get blessed because he's a sovereign God and so we we need to respect that and understand that and aim high you know aim where the Holy Spirit has you aiming cooperate with God in everything don't live a slothful life but who does everything right you got me so your confession is heard you have what you say at any time you don't know when it's coming so it can happen at any time your confession number one pleases God we, we said these things yesterday so I'm just reiterating and your confession number one pleases God because you say like he says you say together with him it targets your faith on something you desire so it commits you to expect your faith commits you to expect something and it shows you believe God and it helps you resist the devil once your confession's out there the devil doesn't have anything he can do with that he you know he can stifle your conversation to a degree and keep you from confessing it but once it's out there there's nothing he can do now he can try and make you think it's not doing any good or but he can't stop the progress of it he can stop you from continuing to confess and that's where you got to continue to resist him 
and your your confession because you hear it continues to build your faith Amen. so that's why you need to confess the word you need to confess it for you because if it's not materialized yet you need to continue to build your faith Amen. speaking it in the face of contrary circumstances builds it even more because there's a resistance against it it builds it even more I was looking up a scripture today and and my eyes fell on a a familiar story one that's kind of familiar to us uh, about the gentleman I keep forgetting his name uh, but he wrote that song It Is Well With My Soul and uh, his wife and children were on a ship to um, I think to Europe somewhere he's an American man they were on a ship to Europe and uh, their ship collided with another one he was going to meet them take another ship two days later business uh, his business held him up and so he wasn't able to go with his family he was going two days later and they uh, had a collision with a, a bigger ship and the wife and, and uh, gathered her four daughters together and they knelt and prayed and asked God to give them strength uh, to rescue them if it was his will and if not give them strength to be able to endure whatever lay ahead of them and so um, the ship went down the four daughters drowned and the wife was rescued a while later on a rescue boat there was like one or two rescue boats out in the water and they pulled her out and um, ten days later she arrived in Europe and sent her husband a telegram it says and it said um, rescued alone what shall I do and so he went and knelt down before God and wrote that song it is well with my soul and so in the face of very difficult situations his faith rose up automatically and began to confess that it was well with him and that song has helped so many many more people through gross tragedies Uh, it's rescued so many people more than he lost no your kids are precious to you most people would say they're probably the most precious things you have but it can still be well with your soul when you lose the most precious thing to you in life and um, they were younger enough his wife went on they had three more children and uh, yeah God restored and and so you know it's just one of those things where you have to realize the goodness of God in all situations so so it was just good to to refresh myself in that but that is the power of your confession in the face of difficulty look what God did with those words throughout the years you see and uh, that's something that, that can never be overlooked is that in the face of of total contrary to what you're about to say you can still say what God says and God sent him a message and told him it was well with him and so that's what you have to go by you have to go by what God says amen so your faith in the face of contrary circumstances puts up a resistance to the devil it's your first line of defense is your confession faith tells God 
that you know he's not a liar because the devil says he is all the time and that's part of our problem with unbelief we're listening to what the natural says and we close the door on it you know it just this is what the doctors say and that's the end of the story you know sometimes people when you tell them to believe God they'll say well I tried that you know no you didn't because you don't try God he tries you he ain't on trial you're on trial what do you believe <laughs> you know what I'm saying and so we they get it all flipped around crazy uh, you know and, and sometimes if people are stuck in a belief system it makes it real hard to pull them out of it you know but you have to try you have to give them the word anyway because that's that's what's needed in that situation they may think about it for a while and meditate on it for a little bit and see what it is that that they want to believe and so when you find that uh, situation you have to give them the word just like you give yourself the word that's what they need that's what's going to help them so faith tells God that you know he's not a liar and that must be established you please him when you tell him I don't believe the lies of the devil I choose to believe you and act on it don't let that just be a decision then you have to have a corresponding action to what you believe and so uh, that corresponding action is found in Romans chapter 4 amen I always write Romans 4 and I never write the scripture. <laughs> but anyway, we're all good. <laughs> I, 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 I need to underline it or something. I know I got it underlined so. Yeah, Romans 4.17. I had it. I got it circled. It says here, uh, talking about Abraham and the righteousness that comes by faith the righteousness that comes by faith it took God about 17 years working with Abraham to get him to this point so this is what we are 13 years of it's maybe 17 13 something in there Ishmael was 13 at the time but God came to Abram several times reiterating the same promise so don't be shocked if God doesn't change his mind about how he wants to bless you. Got me? You know, people when they go up to, to get a word, a prophecy, want to hear something different every time. Oh, if you haven't received what he promised you last time, he'll probably tell you over again to keep believing what he promised you. And we need to hear it because many times we've given up and tried to move on and move on to what you're not going to believe the next one either if you didn't believe that one you're not going to believe the next one so God's not going to throw you something new just to make you happy and all that kind of stuff he's going to keep reiterating the same thing over and over again fortunately for Abraham he stayed on program with God he kept asking about the same promise that God had made to him when he found out that Ishmael would not be the heir that God talked about then Abraham said well what, Lord, what are you going to give me and, and he began to tell him 
Well, God would give Abraham simple things to encourage his faith. And I think we have the same deal with God. We have simple things to encourage our faith. Because suppose one day God would tell you, uh, give you uh, um, uh, uh, Mark eleven twenty two through 24 as your scripture for how to get yourself healed. Or how to re- alleviate your symptoms or whatever you think you're doing down here. And we might as well say we're healed because we are. We might as well cave and agree with God instead of trying to figure out what to say. Just say what he tells you to say. And so once he gives you instruction, but suppose you know he doesn't get, get you don't get it quick enough for you, and he gave you something else to do, and then he gave you something different to do, and then he gave you something different to do. You'd be wondering what kind of God is this? Every time I go to him, it's changed up. Well, that's what we look for as humans. If one thing doesn't seem to work for us, we want to discard that and do something different. So that's not God telling us that kind of stuff. That's your carnal mind and the devil trying to give you to run around. And so once God gives you something to do, he does not change. If that's going to satisfy him, faith is what satisfies him. Whatever it is that expresses your faith is what you need to do. And quit goofing around. Quit looking for something else. There is nothing else. His word is it. That's all you need. While I'm doing the word, keep doing it until it comes. That's what faith is. What you're doing is you're trying to do what you want to do and get God results. It doesn't work like that. You gotta, for once in your life, <laughs> do what somebody else tells you to do, little hard head. And so faith tells God that you know He's not a liar, and it's the devil that's lying to you with symptoms in your body. So in Romans four, um, let's see, verse thirteen, for the promise that He would be heir of the world. How would you like God to tell you that? Huh? That's pretty big stuff. So you know God's going to have to do it. Abraham proved only God can do it because he tried doing it himself. And God said, nope, you didn't get it right. Thank God, or we wouldn't be saved. huh? It says, was the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, through the natural Jewish race. But through the righteousness that's by faith. Amen. So it makes it open to everybody. For if they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is void. And the promise is of none effect. So if, if you could do it by works and natural inheritance, then why would God promise it? You don't have to promise that somebody's in line to receive something anyway. They got it pretty much. But it didn't come that way. He says it comes through faith. And so he says makes a promise of none effect. Because the law works wrath. For where no law is there's no transgression. So wherever you have a law once it's broken. People tend to give up. You know and, and just look for something else. So there is something better than the law. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. So everybody can enter in. 
Anything that's by faith and by grace means it's open to anybody. Anybody who believes. To the end that the promise might be sure. So if, if it can be given through grace to anybody who believes, then it's secure. And it doesn't depend on work. Because not everybody can work it. It says, to all the seed... Not only to that which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So we've got to believe just like he did, with no evidence, just God's word. God said, look up at the stars in the sky. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Look at the sea, the, the grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many children you're going to have. So he encouraged his faith by telling him, you can't get away. You look up. That's the part you look down. Where are you going to look to get away from what I promised you? So God makes it obvious to us to hold on to our faith. He makes it so easy. Don't think receiving a supernatural uh, gift from God is hard. The devil tells us everything God does is hard. Oh, you can't. It's going to take you. Boy, you know how long it's going to take you to get your healing by faith? Well, how long do you have? (laughs) Faith at least gives you a shot at it. Doctors don't give you a shot. Well, they give you a shot, but they always, with a disclaimer, this may work and it may well let me know if this helps you and it usually doesn't now i got something else here in my bag so let's get real here folks it's natural medicine is not superior it's sometimes easier and more convenient or you know you think it is but try god try and see how long it might take you to get your healing doesn't matter how long it takes folks it doesn't matter God knows how to deliver you if you think you're suffering too much and all this kind of stuff. He knows how to make you comfortable. We don't try. We write it off as hard before we even step into it. Anything looks hard when you're not in it. Once you get into it and you're in it by faith, then God begins to open up understanding to you and show you the way. But when you're your your promise is over here and you're here at the door and there's all this unbelief there at the door until you step over in the door of faith a little bit you won't get the understanding what it takes for the rest of it you know you got to open your mouth first and say you're healed and and start doing what god tells you to do and then you'll see that it ain't that hard it's not that difficult it's normal for god's people to step out in faith and believe him so it says here as as it is written i have made have made i have made you the father of many nations before whom he believed even god who quickens or makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were which when you have no hope so it's against hope you can believe so most people it's hopeless i what you have is incurable they don't have any time given we've done as much as we can for you 
sometimes it's a good place to have that door shut to you. Now people think that's mean. You know, when you, oh, Pastor Barb, how can you say that? That's the best thing that can happen to somebody. There's any doctor can't do anything. I mean, feel sorry for him. No, they shut the door on a believer. Keep believing. What's it hurting you to believe God? Is that the worst thing in the world to have to do? See, that's your natural faith condemning the faith of the Son of God. It'll do that all the time. Try to condemn that faith as not being adequate. Double lying again. That's all he does is lie. You've got to make sure that your mind is in believing God. Because all of this stuff gets exposed when we start stepping out in faith toward God. The lies of the devil in your mind. Tradition that you've held on to. All of those things will will begin to manifest and begin to rear up and fight the word of God that you're putting in and you're believing. So you have to fight those things. You cast that stuff down. But Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to what which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Weak faith thinks about how you feel. Weak faith thinks about what the the doctors say. Weak faith thinks about diagnosis. Weak faith thinks about your lab tests. Weak faith thinks about those natural. Weak faith considers the natural part. Considers your body. You cannot consider your body if it's out of joint and get healed too. You can't do it. Because you've been thinking about that all along and it hasn't helped you. Has that healed you in the past? No. So let's consider not. Take that off your list of things to pay attention to. It doesn't matter how much you hurt. It doesn't matter how much pain there is. God will find you. He'll he'll always give you a comfortable position to curl up in so that you're not hurting. You know what I'm saying? You'll find some spot to nestle into so that the pain isn't there. You'll find a way to prop a leg up or a foot up or something else up so that you don't have pain. So you have to consider not those things. Just tell God, God, you know what? I'm not going to think about this. Just find me a spot I can curl up in where I'm comfortable and I will remain there. And while you're there... Meditate on the word. Sit there and read your healing scriptures. Get you a devotional and read it and all this kind of stuff so you can get up healed without the symptoms. Got me? So that's what that time out is for. It's to strengthen your spirit man so you can do the things of God. So he says, um, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. That's what you got to do to be healed. You can't consider it. What they said about it, how it feels, whether it can move or not move, can't consider it. Now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully, fully persuaded. So that's what you're after. When you begin your healing journey, 
you may not be fully persuaded. That's why your your um, symptoms don't go away right away. It took Abraham about 17 years to be fully persuaded. Uh, God kept him alive. God gave him a life. God made him very rich. He had a full life. But he was waiting on his faith to develop to the place where God could bless him with the promise. Got me? That's all we're doing, folks. Just don't get so, you know, don't, don't include drama into this equation. There's no drama here. There's no reason for drama. There's no reason for, oh, it will never happen. I don't know what's wrong. What am I doing wrong? Just that right there. You're considering considering your own body you're considering lack more than you're considering what you do have once you start to consider what you do have your spirit man will catch on and faith will get ignited again and you'll put the things that are not right on the back burner and bring God to the forefront where he belongs so your faith then calls those things that be not as though they were that's verse 17 we speak God's language for instance if you have disease or symptoms in your body the absence of pain or the absence of symptoms are the be nots so health is be not that thing that be not you have to call it as if it were really there so if you're sick then health be not yours you got me in the natural so all you do is speak to that be not as though it's there Lord I thank you that I'm healed I thank you that I received my healing when I prayed when I asked you for that healing I thank you for your healing virtue right now in my body in the name of Jesus I thank you for taking every symptom away because I am healed symptoms don't belong to me I am healed symptom go in Jesus name I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness I'm redeemed from the curse of pain you bore my pains you carried my sorrows and they are gone and I thank you for taking them away in Jesus name so you call those things that be not as though they are because they are your healing belongs to you it has been given to you but because this is a faith situation we're not used to faith language we're so tuned into our pain some people can tell you what their pulse is <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> doctor use this arm because that one's shot how do you know that ah, you know I just was in a couple of days ago and or whatever you know it just always touching ourselves and noticing ourselves and tell you what their respirations are every minute and oh yeah you know yeah when I get up and go upstairs I I breathe two more breaths in a minute so you know I have no notice yourself too much oh that's true so we have to get over us you know in order to get into heaven's language and just forget consider not 
Okay? Don't dwell on it. Don't keep thinking about it. Don't keep messing with it. Got me? Don't keep checking it out. If you're healed, you don't have to check things out that are okay. Huh? Why do you keep, you know, doing that? Thinking about that? Because the devil's trained you. Pay attention to things that are out of joint instead of things that are in joint. God, I thank you for everything that's right in my body. Thank you, Lord, that I am healed. Thank you, Father, that my symptoms are leaving right now by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I am healed. I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. You will not put sickness on me because sickness does not belong to heaven. I receive what heaven has for me. I thank you for it. Change your conversation with God. Quit whining to him. Quit complaining about every little thing that's not right. Get rid of your list. Got me? And, and uh, you know, start to build him up. Bless him at all times. Focus on what's right. Call those things that be not as though they are. I'm healed. I'm whole. All pain is gone. Whatever it is that you're you're up against, tell it it's gone. Amen. This is not denial. This is covenant language. You must learn the language of the covenant. Quit speaking out of your emotions, out of your fear, out of your drama, out of your upset. You must speak covenant language in order to receive what God has for you. If you had trouble with a credit card or with a creditor, you would have to go by your agreement that you have with that card company in order to get it straightened out. You can't go beyond that agreement. You would love them to make great exceptions in your case, but you cannot go beyond that agreement. If you have to do that with a natural contract, what do you think you have to do with God? You can't go beyond. You can't keep saying, "Block God, please heal me. Please take this away. Please get this. Uh, 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 uh. He's done it already. So you must speak his language in order to get his result. Man. Now, if you're ignorant and that's all you know, that's one thing. But if you're fighting, speaking his language and calling those things, if you're, if you're adamant about, well, that can't be right because I'm sick. If that's what you want, you're going to have that. But God's telling you how to get rid of that and how to receive everything that he has for you. Not just health and healing, wealth and prosperity. Uh, renewal in your strength, renewal in everything that you hold dear, salvation for your household, everything. Start calling your family saved. God, I thank you that they're saved. They want to make a confession of Christ and, and send labors to them to make sure they make that confession. I want to know that they're, they've made that confession before I leave this earth. I want to see them worship you and I want to see them in good standing with you. So... We have to know that that we must call those things that be not as though they are. Now, that's not just a New Testament concept. And I'll show you that. Turn to Second Kings chapter 4 and see an example of it under the Old Testament. 
Remember Elijah and the Shunammites. Uh, two kings. Yeah. Chapter 4. Uh, start in verse 18. Now you, you know the story. This woman uh, made a, uh, a room for the prophet. He used to go by her house all the time, regularly. And she thought it would be kind. In those days, people journeyed. They walked forever to get somewhere. And it was nice. They would they would run into a hotel or, uh, you know, a place where you could just rest for a little bit. And, you know, have water, refresh your horses or whatever it was. That was the beginning of the modern day, like uh, Marriott or Holiday Inn or something like that. But, you know, they would have little inns and stuff. And she noticed how often he would walk by and she said, gee, it'd be nice if he didn't have to pay for that. And even if he could find a place or let's make him a place where he can stop and refresh himself and rest. And so she she did that. And, and so the prophet's reward was due her. Immediately, Elijah asked his nosy little servant, Gehazi, what does she need? And uh, he said, well, her her husband's old and they don't have any children yet. And so he said, call her. And he said, this time next year you'll embrace a child. She uh, staggered in unbelief because she wasn't a Hebrew. So she wouldn't know anything about, you know, what that life was about or anything. She wasn't expecting miracles like they were. And so she argued with him a little bit. But she did have the boy. When he was grown, it says, it fell on a day in verse 18. He was grown that he went out to his father's, to the reapers, and said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to uh, uh, one of his servants, Take him to his mother. When he had taken him, brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Now, me myself, I think I would have done that when he first got sick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, fear. If your child's sick, you wanna you wanna take care of them. You know, you you can cling to them to your own hurt sometimes. And see, this is the hard thing about being a believer. You got to obey the word even when your heart is pulling you to do something else. Okay. Write that down. You must obey the word when your heart is pulling at you to do something else. Because see, we'll get emotional about our loved ones when we have to stay in the spirit of God and do what God tells us to do in order to get the effect that God wants us to give. You you gotta do. <clears throat> I uh, there are times when when uh, you know because uh, uh, Tippy and and uh, Tone live with me, I'll do sometimes the hard things with Rachel because the mom and the dad want to comfort her and I want to pray for her. I want God to take care of it, you know. And so they'll bring her to me, or they'll pray for her, or they'll I'll see their comfort. I say, Rach, come on, and I'll pray for you. You know, God will take care of that. And so it's good to have that mean person, you know. I mean, people who are real soft and you know just 
I don't know what's wrong with people, but anyway, <laughs> you know, I don't have children, so it's easy for me to say. But I know that there are people, believers with kids, who take care of them that way too. So you just have to be mean parents and all of that. And that is not to say you can't comfort your child, but you take care of that devil first. Get that demon off of them, or you're just stroking the devil, you know, and letting him stay there. And so you have to learn how to flip over into the spirit and stay there and know your role because we all play different roles. Because you are a believer, you have a believer's ministry. Just like you can walk up to somebody, a stranger with a cane in their hand, offer to pray for them. You know, and just ask them to drop the cane. Oh, you mean thing. Well, if you do that with a stranger, you should be able to do it with your own seed, you know. So, I mean, you're going to have to play that role. See, when you're in faith, you're going to have to be the bad guy. The world looks at you as the bad person, period. When you're standing for God and you're standing for his principles, you're going to be looked at in a negative light why because the devil wants you to stop he does he wants you to stop wants you to quit when uh, my husband had his surgery uh, the day after the surgery I had a healing school to do so it was already scheduled we already had flyers we had everything out so you know what do you do and God had prepared me for that many years in advance. I remember listening to Brother Cirillo give his testimony about when his wife was sick. And he was in South America during some, some meetings. And his boys were saying, well, Dad, she doesn't have long and blah, this and blah. Everybody in the family was angry with him. And each time they would call him and tell him what was going on, he would say, Father, what do I do? They are telling me. See, it's best to check with God and see what God wants to do. And uh, God told him, he said, I will take care of her. He said, you stay and do what I've called you to do. And so I remembered that because when I heard that, it was like something went off on the inside of me and and told me, let me know, you're going to have to do that one time. You're going to have to prove to God that you're doing what he told you to do and trust him with, with the things that you love. And so I went ahead and did the healing school and, and went back to visit him right after the healing school was over that day. And uh, it was tough. It was a little tough, you know, and... I tried to stay focused on what I was doing. Thank God there's grace to carry you through difficult situations when you still have to function for God. But I thought to myself, look at what I get to sow into humanity if I'll trust God to do. And you've got to look at things like that. It's Sometimes it's a matter of um, numbers. It's a matter of who you can touch in spite of what's going on in your natural situation and it's a part of trusting God with people you know with your loved ones you don't have to be able to control everything and all that and so it's it's just good and and, you know he made it through his surgery fine you know his convalescent was a little touch and go but I was able to be there when it was necessary 
for me to be there during those times amen so God will get the job done but you gotta trust him you can't get all emotional about everything you want to run off and fix stuff you can't fix you can't fix yourself you know what I'm saying you, you gotta depend on God 100% for things and so when she let go of her son that was a turning point for her you know letting go and trusting God with things is vitally important and and this is the thing this woman started to understand some things about God even though she served other gods that was her nature but being introduced to God through the man of God gave her information that she didn't have before and so God is sometimes looking for what you're going to do with what you know about him are you going to build on that or are you going to continue to serve false gods and try to you know work both ends so she's had one foot in the kingdom one foot out and you have to be careful about yourself you have to be all the way in the kingdom you can't be in the natural and part of your life and then switch over in, into God's kingdom when you feel like you're desperate you know I'm doing good like I am except I've got this that and the other that I want God to take care of well you got to stay with him 100% can't just go in and go out and think you're going to live a high life you know in God with that type of attitude so she said she went and took that and she went and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out and she called her husband and said send me one of the young men and a donkey that I may run to the man of God and come back again and he said why are you going to see him today it's not new moon and it's not the Sabbath and she said my King James says it shall be well but there are some translations that say it is well amen so she might have said that to her husband it'll be well or it's going to be okay Uh, she was doing something out of character now it looks like this woman did have a connection with God because she was accustomed to visiting the man of God on holy days so the new moon was a holy day the Sabbath was a holy day and this was not one of those times so she's like a Easter lily or a poinsettia go to church on Easter and Sunday you know just doing her doing her duty her religious duty but there comes a day when you got to go deeper with God you're going to have a need that only he can supply and so she told her servant to drive and go forward don't slack up uh, she said don't slack up for anything except I tell you to so she went and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off he said to Gehazi his servant behold there is the Shunammite run now I pray you to meet her and say to her is it well with you is it well with your husband is it well with a child and she answered it is well and when she came to the man of God to the hill she caught him by the feet but Gehazi came near to turn her away and the man said let her alone her soul is vexed and the Lord has hid it from me he has not told me what the problem is and then she said did I not tell you don't deceive me then he said to Gehazi gird up your loins take the staff of yours 
in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, don't talk to him. If you salute, you answer him not again. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. So she never said he's dead. The prophet didn't know what was wrong. But when she said don't deceive me that told him everything. Here's a lady that doesn't believe God. She's had this kid all these years and he's grown now. And she's not really exercising her faith in God that God wanted her to have. See these things that that lie dormant in our hearts for many, many years will start to grow and manifest after a season and work against us. These little thing promises we like we were talking earlier about the vows that we make to ourselves, they'll pop up. They've been growing all along, and the little thoughts you have that feed them, little ideas you have that give them strength, they'll start to grow and start to manifest in ways we don't want. And he says, "Go lay your hand on the face of the child." She never told him that boy was dead. She never told him. But he got a clear picture when she said, don't deceive me. He said, I know there's something wrong with that boy now. See, many times prophets can know what's ahead. And we think we're just living merely along. You got me? See, you can be in a situation because you're in it. You think it's normal or you think you got a lot of time or you think, you know, God's not really interested in that. And see, somebody who has vision and understands the seed principle, you know, prophets especially, because we can see trouble afar off. So we can see what's cooking inside of you. We can see that seed. And we know what's going to happen if that seed ain't plucked out of there. We know know the trouble that lies ahead, and that's why we warn people. See, like in 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 2018, I can talk to you with the urgency that I would be speaking to you down in 2022 when it manifests. See, we speak to the fruit. We don't speak to the seed. See, in you, you see it as a small thing because it's a little seed. But we speak to the fruit that we see it producing if you don't get it out of there. You've got to let God pluck it out. You've got to repent. That's why our main word to everybody is repent. Just get back on the right road. You know what I'm saying? And so when they, and a lot of times we're offended by that because of the urgency. And we look and say, that ain't that don't seem that on you know what I'm saying it never seems important to you because you see it small because it is small right now it's a seed right now but if it's iniquity and it's fed continually it's going to grow it's going to bite you it's going to hurt you and so that's why we speak to the fruit not the seed even when it's a seed when it's a seed it's easy to pluck out but when it starts bearing fruit then you're scared you're overwhelmed you don't know how this happened how was oh god why me you got me and so prophets are big and preventive medicine (laughs) preventive 
you know, straighten that up. Stop that. Don't do that. Yeah, you don't need that. Get away from that. Yeah, get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Got me? <laughs> you understand this? You need people like that in your life so you don't go shipwrecked. See, what happens when shipwreck happens, you're mad at everybody in the body of Christ. You're mad at God. Everybody's, nobody's taking care of me. God doesn't want me to have anything. He's not, he doesn't love me. I'm leaving town. Huh? See, the prophet's not overwhelmed by the big fruit. But you are because you're living that life. See, we're trying to spare you because if it's a big tree and it's a problem, we know God's got a remedy for that too. You're not going to like it. It's not going to be any easier for you after it's a big thing than it would be to nip it right now while it's small. Hmm? So we try to save you from a lot of trouble ahead. You know, you can look at something and say, then this ain't going to work. Why are they still doing it? <laughs> People get all caught up in their little world. Their little world is so big to you, but it's so small. You know what I'm saying? It's very small. And so this lady has not been giving her best to God, even though God has given her probably the biggest blessing she could ever want in her life. Totally changed her life around. She's a mother. She's she's you know, and she has an heir. She has somebody that loves her, and she can love them back. You know, this is a whole addition to her life, and she's been holding back, man, not believing, still thinking. I told you, don't deceive me. That seed of unbelief finally bore fruit. Hmm? Never plucked it out. Now see the prophet knows that he's been watching. He's yeah, she ain't really all one hundred percent in there, but you know, we ain't gonna say nothing. So didn't I tell you I desired a son? Didn't I say don't deceive me? Now she didn't tell him that. His servant figured it out, but she received it. And so the prophet tells Gehazi to go and run and minister now this is the standard for ministry when you're anointed that prophet gave him the word that anointing fell on Gehazi the anointing to minister fell on him the way you protect the anointing is this way go directly to the person you're to minister to don't stop at the grocery store don't stop and talk to your friends i don't care if somebody calls you on the phone you got me just don't interrupt that especially when there's like life and death involved you know you don't want to break that thing because prophets prophets understood that one of the main things that derailed their ministry was these little incidental friendly meetings that pop up like when you get ready to pray for somebody for salvation, 15 people walk up to you. You know, I've been on, on you know aisle in a grocery store. Nobody's around. Then all of a sudden when the anointing falls, 15 people walk down that aisle. And they're, you're standing right in front of what they want. 
So, you know, it's the, in this interruption is common. Satan is the god of this world and he wants to keep it that way. He doesn't want you to do anything for God. And so, you know, the, the rest of the story, the boy was brought back to life. And then she bowed herself to the ground. In other words, gave honor to the prophet, took up her son, and went out. Amen. And so her understanding how to call those things that be not as though they were, she never said her boy was dead. Never. She got in front of the prophet and and she said, didn't I tell you? And I told you, don't deceive me. So that was the only way she had of expressing what her need was. Where she knew enough about the lingo, (laughs) you know, not to let words spread around. Once you let everybody know it and start saying it, it's downhill from there. You got me? That's why sometimes people, saints who have illness, don't let it be known to everybody. You know, they don't say, you know, pray for this person or pray for me because I got enough. These people that blast everything that's going on in their life, that's something different. But God has people who will pray for you and help you to get through things. And that's who you go to. You don't go tell them, don't put it on Facebook. And You know, I think that's a lousy way to get anything done. But God honors it. Some people get their help that way. But you need to be around people that are you're committed to and they're committed to you. And they know how to pray. That tells me one of two things. If they're, they're either not in a church or if they're in a church, it's not a church that prays, get results. And that that's their only resort is Facebook. And some people just on there for attention. So you got to know the difference. So. Amen. So her faith put her son in the prophet's bed. Amen. That's where it started out with God. And she knew to take him back to God to get it straightened out. Amen. She was believing that that boy would be raised up again. Amen. So you got to believe. You've got to show God faith in that result. You've got to show him what you want to come to pass. So that was a faith action on her part that she believed that he that she would get what she needed from God. Amen. So those faith actions are what you need to do. Your faith action can be anything. A confession is a good place to start, but God may have you add things to that. You need to add to your faith. Sometimes you need to add some kind of virtue to it. Do do an action that shows that you are expecting God to do that thing. Huh? It's like we used to have women who were believing God for reconciliation. Get your husband something on Father's Day. You know, and it's like like you walked into a lion's den. So I read, made a poem once about deadbeat dads. You want to send them that? We got that too. What's your flavor? I don't care. But acknowledge the brother. You know, it's your kid's daddy. You loved him enough to have Pete and repeat. So let's get the ball rolling. But you, you have to do some action sometimes. Calling those things that be not as though they are, don't stop there. Holy Spirit may give you other things to do. Amen. To bring that thing to pass. Faith in God is consistent throughout the Bible. When God says, go up, I have given you the city. 
When Israel acted like it was so, they got the city. Ten spies call God a liar with unbelief. You keep doing what you've been doing and the natural stays there. You call God a liar. You're saying, you know, I really don't believe that that you are going to do this the way you say you're going to do it. You mean just saying the word is going to heal me? I don't believe that. It's like um, Naaman the leper. Go dip in that nasty water. So I'm not going to do that. Huh? I thought it was going to be like this. Isn't that what he said? I thought at least he would come out and touch me and that's how I could heal. There's people all around who have a fake idea of what it's going to take from God for their healing. Many people think all they have to do is get 10,000 people praying and it'll happen. And they're believers. And they won't listen to the word. They won't read the Bible. But they beg people to pray for them. And it doesn't help. you got to use your faith for something. It's not magic. Hmm? So faith in God is consistent throughout the Bible. When God says go up I've given you the city. Israel acted like it was so. The ten spies called God a liar with unbelief. This is why the Bible refers to unbelief as evil. Because it doesn't come from God and it displeases God. So it's evil. We feel sorry for ourselves because we can't believe God. Hmm. Uh, Anything that is not like God is evil. And it will not accomplish the results of God. So begging God, crying, telling him you're tired of being sick. uh, 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 Job did that for, you know, 39 chapters. And God finally shook him up and said, get up out that bed and talk to me like you're somebody. Ooh, mean God. (laughs) Amen. So faith brings us out of the curse every single time. Righteousness, imputed righteousness, reverses the curse. The second thing we said happens when you uh, use your faith as you receive covenant blessings. Amen. That's how you receive the blessings of God. We all want to be blessed. But many times we don't want to do the thing that it takes to get it. What it takes is a consistent expression of our faith. Why does it take consistency? Because God doesn't have any part-time children. He doesn't have stepchildren. Like you can be the the devil be your daddy one day and God be your daddy the next. He doesn't have that kind of relationship with anybody. He said diligently hearken to me. Do everything I tell you to do. You don't skip some things to see if I'm watching. Go do what you want to do and see if you can still get what I have. It's not true. So he wants us to. That's what a covenant is. You are consistent. Amen. He wants us consistently going toward the promises, not just for us, but for the kingdom. You're not in this just for you. That's why you're frustrated, tired, and angry sometimes. Is because you're just thinking about what you want out of this. You're not thinking about the bigger picture. Once we please God, we must continue to do so. Because we know the secret to life. You're committed. You're obligated to continue. 
Amen. But you know many people don't. They, the Bible says if you continue in my word you're my disciples indeed. So you know there's some people who drop in and drop out. Call on God in emergency. And forget him when it's not an emergency. Amen. Get holy when it's time to get something out of him once you get it. You know you behave for a little bit. And then go back to <laughs> your normal carnal life. Amen. So we have to continue to do so. We can't be harlots. Amen. Our confession must please him. It must be pure in faith with no compromise. Amen. So you confess out of a pure heart. You are to call those things that be not as though they are. You must speak his language. And once you see in the word that by his stripes you are healed, you need to keep saying you're healed. Don't go back to asking him to take things away from you. You cannot consider what the circumstances or future fears say. The doctor says, the doctor says, the doctor says. Cut it out. God knows what the doctor said. All you have to do is say it once and then not even that. God will tell you sometimes, don't think about that. Why are you telling me what he said? Who are you going to believe? Stagger not at the promise. That's number four. Stagger not at how impossible it seems. Number five, don't call what your eyes see, your body feels, or what they have told you. That type of confession is not pleasing to God. He's not feeling sorry for you. He's wondering why you still put up with it sometimes. And the last thing that our faith does, it causes us to be mature and stable. Amen. That we will be able to stand strong in the day of testing. And withstand the darts of the enemy. Sickness is a dart. Not feeling good is a dart. Medication side side effects a dart. David faced Goliath with only faith in God. When he first went on the battlefield, he didn't have any armor. He didn't have any weapon. He didn't have anything. But he went before the Lord and found out what he needed. Amen. So you go before the Lord with nothing and you get a strategy from him for how to defeat the devil. When we seek him in challenging times, he will not fail us, forsake us, or leave us. We have to believe he is faithful. Faithful means he'll do it again. Faithful means he doesn't get tired of you. And your unbelief at times and in your little halfway faith and all that. So the Abraham kind of faith judges God faithful. Amen. Bible says by faith Sarah conceived in her old age because she judged God faithful. 
So you've got to judge him faithful. At the end of the day, your faith may fail. You may not know up from down. But you must judge him faithful. At the end of the day. I've done a lot. God, I missed it. I thought I was doing it right and I wasn't doing it right. But in all my faults, you're still faithful. You promised it to me and I believe you. I declare that I am healed and you are faithful. Amen. You're healed anyway. In spite of what you see, feel, or think, you're healed anyway. And God is faithful who will do it. He will bring it to pass. You can't bring nothing to pass. So quit working at it. Amen. Judge him faithful. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for great things that you're showing us in your holy word. We bless you. We praise you. And we thank you for everything you're doing for us. In Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Anybody need prayer? Come on up for prayer.